Braves and baseball fans, it's time to take a trip from coast to coast across Major League Baseball. There it goes, a long drive. If it stays fair, home run. One strike away. Sandy into his windup. Here's the pitch. Swung out and missed a perfect game. Fly ball deep left center. Grissom on the run. Yes, yes, yes. Braves and baseball talk straight from the diamond. Here's Grant McCauley. Hello and welcome to another episode of From the Diamond. As always, I'm Grant McCauley, and this a very special edition because we are wrapping up what was a very eventful week in a number of ways for the Atlanta Braves and, of course, the rest of Major League Baseball as the winter meetings have come and gone. And we got a lot to talk about because the Braves were among the busiest teams and they got the whole thing started out with a five-player trade that we're going to get into on this episode. I also had a chance to catch up with a lot of people from across the baseball world. I'm going to share some of those conversations and, of course, get you up to speed on what's ahead for the Braves, what there's still to do this winter, because there are still things on that shopping list for Alex Anthopoulos. You are going to hear from him on this show. You're also going to hear my conversation with Braves manager Brian Snitker, and I've got a little something special for you as I was able to catch up with Stefan and Chris Carey. Yeah, you know the name pretty well. They are the identical twin sons of former Braves broadcaster Chip Carey, fourth-generation baseball broadcasters. Really fun to catch up with them, and I can't wait to share that with you on this episode of From the Diamond. Before we get all that started, though, I want to remind you to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast. Just search for From the Diamond. You can also check out my winter meetings coverage and get links to everything at fromthediamond.com. That includes connecting with me on social media. You can find me on X, on Instagram, and on most platforms. At Grant McCauley, you can find the show at From the Diamond. And, of course, if you need those links, FromTheDiamond.com is the place to get all of that and more. So let's dive into things here because it was a big week up in Nashville. The first winter meetings I've been able to attend since way back in 2019. I wasn't able to get out to San Diego a year ago, and that, I think, is probably my favorite place and most people's favorite place for the winter meetings to go down. But for Nashville... Uh, pretty good weather, a little chilly, but not too bad. Just a three and a half hour drive up to be able to be a part of the baseball world gathering here. Now, as we know, and we've followed and we've talked about here on the show and on so many other platforms and places that I'm uh, talking about the Braves, this has been a very busy club this winter. Alex Anthopoulos has been trying to rebuild Atlanta's bullpen, find a little bit of help in the outfield, maybe address that starting rotation. And some of those things have come to pass. We've talked a lot about what's gone on in the bullpen, but Finally, we saw another domino fall for the Braves, and that was accomplished in a five-player trade that happened on Sunday night, just as everyone was arriving in Nashville. The Braves and the Mariners hooking up on a deal that's headlined by Jared Kelnick, the former top prospect for the Mets who was dealt to the Mariners, hasn't really been able to find that success at the big league level yet, but still a whole lot of potential. Not the kind of player you would expect to be traded twice by the age of 24, But the Braves, they really wanted to go get somebody to help them out in left field and someone who could stick around for a little while and maybe tap in to that potential. And Kelnick certainly has a lot of that. But he was just one part of this trade. The Braves also received Marco Gonzalez and Evan White. These were a couple of contracts the Mariners very much wanted off their books. In return, Jackson Cower, who was acquired from the Kansas City Royals in the trade for Kyle Wright, was sent to the Mariners along with Cole Phillips, a second-round draftee by Atlanta in 2022. A lot of promise, but yet to make his professional debut because he underwent Tommy John surgery prior to the draft. The Braves also received some cash considerations from the Mariners, and that was no small deal because Atlanta was taking on $29 million worth of salary obligations to Gonzalez and White. I want to talk a little bit about Jared Kelnick before we get into some of the other particulars and the fact that I didn't really expect either Marco Gonzalez or Evan White to hang around that long. They just didn't seem to fit in the picture. It was more of the cost of doing business, taking on those undesirable contracts in order to get a player with the pedigree, the potential, and the talent of Jared Kelnick, who's going to factor into Atlanta's left field equation in a big way. At least that's the hopes for the Atlanta Braves. Kelnick was the number six overall pick in the 2018 draft. And if you remember, he was part of that blockbuster trade that had Robinson Cano heading to New York. It had Edwin Diaz heading to the Mets as well. And Kelnick was part of the return for the Seattle Mariners. 
and they were hoping that he was going to be a fixture for the club, and he made it to the big leagues at just 21 years old, but really struggled to establish himself. A lot of strikeouts for Kelnick has been the problem. In the minor leagues, you could tell that this was a special hitter. He just hasn't been able to put it all together in his time with Seattle. Just a 204 career hitter, but batted 253 last year, 11 home runs, 13 stolen bases, and that's just kind of part of the package that we're talking about here with Kelnick. He's a guy that can run the bases well. He can field well. He's got a good arm. And the hit tool is the thing that the Braves are are most, I think, tantalized by and are feeling like he is going to have that opportunity to maybe get into the Braves hitting program and really take it to the next level. You're going to hear my chat with Brian Snitker in a little while about how excited he is to have Jared Kelnick in the mix and how hopeful he is that that talent is really going to manifest itself in a big-time way upon getting Kelnick in the Braves outfield. And another thing that Atlanta has to like about this is they have five years of control remaining on Jared Kelnick, who will not become a free agent until the 2029 season. So those are just some of the factors behind acquiring Jared Kelnick and utilizing him in left field and putting him in an outfield that now the elder statesman, if you can believe this, is Ronald Acuna Jr. at 25 years old, Michael Harris, who just turned 22, and then you got a 24-year-old Jared Kelnick. Not only is this one of the youngest outfields in Major League Baseball, it could easily be one of the most talented. We know all about Ronald Acuna Jr., the National League MVP. We've gotten a heap and helping of Michael Harris the past couple of years. But can Kelnick find his groove in Atlanta and really complete what is a very well-rounded Braves lineup? We're going to hear a little bit from Alex Anthopoulos discussing this trade and what he saw in Jared Kelnick and, of course, Uh, what the Braves are planning to do beyond just this left field move as we had a chance to talk to Alex up here in Nashville as well. Before we jump into that, though, the other pieces of this trade, Marco Gonzalez, this is a name that was thrown around a lot back in 2020 when the Braves were trying to field some kind of rotation to make it through that season. And he's a guy that's had some success in Seattle as kind of a middle of the rotation, middle to back end, I guess, and gave the Mariners some durability until running into some health problems again in 2023. He had already had Tommy John surgery earlier in his career, but a nerve issue in his forearm. He had to undergo surgery to deal with that. He is believed to be healthy for spring training. Alex Anthopoulos was able to confirm that. But as far as where he was going to fit with the Braves, that $12 million salary, amongst other things, it wasn't really sure that this was going to be the final answer for how the Braves want to address their rotational need. And as it turns out, about 48 hours later, the Braves had packaged him up and sent him to the Pittsburgh Pirates for a player to be named later or cash considerations. And we'll find out the details of that deal. But Atlanta moving on from Marco Gonzalez pretty quickly. The Mariners put $4.5 million into the overall deal, the initial trade, that five-player deal between Atlanta and Seattle. And so that brought the money that was owed to Gonzalez and to Evan White down to $24.5 million, so the Pirates should be able to take a chunk out of that as well, and the Braves will still have to make a decision on what exactly they're going to do with White, who is not long in the tooth by any means, but a former first-round pick, a guy that was signed to a big contract as an A-ball player a few years ago, it just hasn't worked out. He won a gold glove in the 2020 shortened season, but hasn't been able to find it at all at the plate in the major leagues, hitting well under 200 for his young career. And he's played just 30 games the past two years, all of those in the minors, as he has dealt with a couple of hip surgeries. So there are some lingering questions about what exactly White has to offer. And it just doesn't seem to be a piece that's going to fit with the Braves. So we'll see if there's another deal where maybe Atlanta will look to find someone to take some of the $17 million that they owe White over the next couple of years as well. And one of the great things about the winter meetings is the access that you get to all of the team executives and to really the entire baseball world as we spend this few days up here in Nashville. We're able to chat with Braves General Manager Alex Anthopoulos a couple of times, including Sunday after the trade with the Mariners. And this is what he had to say about the acquisition of Kelnick, how he fits into things, and maybe what the effect will be on a guy like Vaughn Grissom, who's down in Puerto Rico playing the outfield and was hoping to get some playing time in left field. Here's what Alex Anthopoulos had to say about the new Atlanta Braves outfielder. Yeah, I mean, look, you saw the start he got off to last year. Obviously, yeah. uh, had the injury with his foot. But again, I think with our lineup, we're not counting on anyone to have to carry the load, right? So he's talented, and you know the outfield depth for us was a little thin. He's got tremendous upside and ceiling. He's a good defender, and um, having him and Vaughn out there, you know, competing in camp and. Um, you know, the fact that Vaughn can play, obviously, infield and outfield and move around. Um, look, if they both play well, they'll both find their way to get at bats. 
We caught up with Alex Antopoulos a couple of times on Sunday, the first of which before the winter meetings got started, the second time once that trade got done with the Seattle Mariners. He was able to share a lot about what the Braves are still looking to accomplish this winter. With Jared Kelnick now locked in place, I think all the focus for what Atlanta needs to do is to try to find a way to perhaps fortify, strengthen that rotation, and find an upgrade that could really help the Braves out. That has been something they've been rumored to be involved in, among other things. You know, Is there a big move out there for Atlanta? Is there money left to spend for the Braves, who are over that CBT threshold for the second consecutive year? Alex Anthopoulos shed some light on that. I mean, we explored a significant addition. So, um, I mean, that that speculation that we explored a significant addition is absolutely true. Um, the details of that, are, I have not seen anything accurate, but in terms of us exploring a significant addition, we did that already. So, obviously, we didn't get it done, but we did do that. So, look, from a payroll standpoint, the way the system is set up is – keep your team, it's going to get more expensive unless you have a bunch of guys on flat guaranteed contracts across the board, right? Like, unless you're shedding a bunch of players, your payroll will rise if you bring the exact same core back. Again, like I said, unless you've got 26 guys making the exact same that they made a year ago, which we know with some of the contracts we have, arbitration and so on, guys are going to go up in terms of salaries. And we've said this a lot too. We want our young players to get better. We want them to get more expensive. It doesn't do us any good if they're not performing or they get hurt. So, that being said, there's been times where payroll for certain teams has stayed flat and they've had to make some subtractions or changes and so on. So our payroll is going up, but it's gone up every year that I've been here other than going into 21 off the COVID year. I think we dropped uh, about $12 million from uh, what was our, our projected 2020 payroll was supposed to be. I think we started about $12 million below uh, going into 21 and then we ultimately caught up by the end of the year with with the trade deadline and so on. So. Has the AAV of all the long-term contracts, which obviously boosts your payroll for tax purposes, has that been at all a restriction or has that been exactly what you thought it would be and you still have plenty of room to do what you want to do despite having that that kind of hard amount that's already going to be there? Yeah, I mean, look, in terms of getting into room and what we have and all that, I'm, just, I'm never going to get specific on that kind of stuff. Look, AAV-wise, we plan and expect to be over a CBT. That'll be two years in a row. We knew a byproduct of signing a lot of these extensions, that was going to be an issue, right? So that being said, that'll flatten out at some point and it'll go the other way. So, you know, you look at guys like Strider or Harris and so on, their AAVs are higher than their actual salaries, right? So even a guy like Austin Riley and so I mean, all these guys, as you're doing extensions, that's arguably, you know, one of the, I don't want to say drawbacks, but just one of the challenges that you have to manage. But I believe going into 25, I think that'll kind of balance out. So yeah, we, we knew we were going to be over for 23, knew we were going to be over for 24. Terry McGurk's aware of that, and he never had any apprehension at all. And it was to continue to move forward. So we still have room to do some things. You know, how much and all that, there's just no upside to us getting into the specifics. Well, the obvious question for me coming out of that, with the addition of Ronaldo Lopez, who could be stretched out to start, and that is obviously something that the Braves are looking to do in spring training, are they comfortable with the starting pitching depth? This is what Alex Antopoulos had to say about that. Yeah, so we it's something we actively talk about with the rotation. Just, you know, we basically want to go into a season planning on, we want to be able to, at this point in time, name 10 to 11 guys that we think can make starts for us at the big league level during the season. So we're certainly there. Obviously, we've got guys like Smith Sharver, Winans, Vines. We think Hurston Waldrop's going to certainly come. And Noah's going to be totally healthy coming into spring training. We're certainly high on him. Um, expect Dean Anderson to, right now, the loose time frame on him with a rehab assignment is sometime in June. So he certainly can factor as well. We have some other young arms that we really like. So, you know, Dodd obviously made a lot of starts for us. So, I mean, we've counted 10 to 11 guys that we have internally right now. That's assuming guys like Bryce and Ronaldo Lopez and Morton Strider and obviously Max are totally healthy, and those are the five that we start the season with. Now, that being said, we have flexibility where Ronaldo Lopez could go to the bullpen, right, and he can serve all kinds of roles for us. So that does leave an opening there, you know, for us to add someone, whether that's trade or free agency. So I think having the flexibility is important, but even beyond the guys that we start with, with having that depth, especially a bunch of optionable guys, I mean, you guys have seen that, that's been a – you know, something that's been very valuable and important to us to use over the course of six months, 
we feel pretty excited about the group of guys that we have. And look, like, you know, obviously we've got a bunch of young guys that I brought up, Dodd, Waldrip, you know, Vines, Wine, and so on. But guys like Anderson and Noah, those guys have tremendous upside. When they're totally healthy and so on, those guys are, you know, real, for us, real impact guys. Now, I don't want to put pressure expectations on them, but we're not counting on them right now. But if they're one of 10 or 11 or 12, uh, we're in pretty good shape. So obviously I didn't mention AJ Smith-Sharver as well. So, you know, we have a list, but that's a good, I mean, I listed probably seven guys there. So, uh, or eight. So we feel really good about our starter depth. With the offseason and the winter meetings comes the rumors and speculation that surround all 30 clubs about the moves that they could be making and players that they are linked to. The Braves, though, have, I think, a unique view of their team insofar as they've got some really attractive players who are signed to long-term deals, and there's been some speculation swirling around that rumor mill that perhaps the Braves would or should trade one of those players, and Alex Anthopoulos uh, wanted to go ahead and get out in front of that and let the baseball world know exactly how he values his players. I see different reports on this and that, so just to squash some of that stuff going forward, and it doesn't mean it can't happen, uh, but it, we'd be very reluctant. Any of our young players that have signed extensions before free agency, as you guys know, we don't give out no trade clauses. That's a policy. They're extremely unlikely to move. You know, could be for an unbelievable player. That's just, you know, these guys chose to be here. They chose to sign here. Now, could there be special circumstances and so on? Significant drop in performance where the contract's cumbersome. Something happens off the field. But for the most part, if people are ever speculating on any of our young talent that we signed extensions to, I can say with absolute fierce confidence, it's a waste of your time. I don't care what we're being offered. And I'll give you an example of that. When I was in Toronto, and you guys will be the first one to hear this because I never brought this up in Toronto, and he's retired now. Jose Batista was a phenomenal player, right? We signed him to a long-term deal before he hit free agency. Um, we were offered a superstar for him. And, um, you know, it just a non-starter. He didn't have a no-trade clause. Um, and look, he was a superstar as well, but it would have been a real compelling value for value trade. And it wasn't even something that we would even discuss, entertain, contemplate. You know, it just, it was just, now had something happened off the field with him, let's say his performance had really dropped where, you know, the contract was an issue and so on. That's a little different, but if guys are performing and healthy and so on, if people are trying to speculate or come up with trades and this and that, not happening. You know, like I could say that and I'm putting it out there, not happening. So fans want to read that, whatever, like we want to speculate on any of those guys going somewhere, will not happen. That's why we're very selective who we do sign. Because even though we don't give no trade clauses, we have the ability if something goes sideways to adjust. But we know that because of how we feel and how we want to do business, that we're making that player untradeable, you know? So that's why we're very selective. It's not just sign everybody, right? Because we ultimately know we're we're jumping into a commitment, you know, at that point in time. So that's why we're very selective. We don't just sign guys for the sake of signing guys. We know that's part of the process. Okay, are we okay with signing so-and-so to five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years, knowing that we're not trading them? We could be offered the best young player in the game. We're not doing it, you know, unless something happens. You know, where the performance drops off or this is a long-term injury or something off the field. So because we lose, in our minds, the ability to do that. If you're not signed long-term, look, at yeah, we, we have the ability to make trades. So that's obviously uh, something that goes into it when we sign guys. Now, you're not going to be able to sign all of those players. Sometimes you would very much like to have it happen and the money just doesn't work out. As players get closer to free agency, that can change the equation as well. And we saw that play out with both Freddie Freeman and Dansby Swanson. Important pieces of the Braves' success, but now playing for other clubs. That brings up the obvious question about Max Freed, who is scheduled to be a free agent after the 2024 season. Alex Anthopoulos discussed the current situation for the Braves' ace left-hander. No, we're always aware of where everyone's at and their contractual status, right, and contractual control. So, look, we have him under contract for 24. He's not under contract for 2025. Um, obviously, anything beyond that, that's we're going to keep that private. I can go into all the, you know, the comments about how great he is, but I've done that many times in the past, so... Um, look, we have them. We're worried about 2024 right now. We always have an eye on 25, but the focus for us is 24. There's been no player involved in more rumors than Shohei Otani, and we've heard this persistently that the Braves might be that dark horse candidate in a number of different outlets that just seem to keep saying and putting it forward that the Braves are a club here, that the Braves have been in contact with Otani's camp, 
Alex Anthopoulos was asked that question as well, as one of the greatest players in the game is out in free agency. Are the Braves going to be involved in that derby? Here's what he had to say. I can't talk, obviously, about any free agents at all. What I can tell you is that we are very happy with our position player group. Uh, we had a very good offense last year. Uh, we've only pursued one uh, position player this offseason. That was Jared Kelnick that we were able to get a deal done. And we have not explored any other position players in any capacity at any time. Now, I've always thought the connection between Otani and the Braves was tenuous at best. I mean, Atlanta has done so much to build its core of players and its team with a sustainable model that they can still add, as we've talked about here, and as Alex Anthopoulos has discussed, the pursuit of Aaron Nola, interest in some of the other free agent starters that are out there to help make this club better. Those are realistic conversations that are going to happen throughout the course of every winter. But would it make sense to sign a $400, $500, $600 million free agent? For some club out there, it might. With questions about Otani's pitching, though, in 2024 and beyond, I mean, I think it's fair to ask, is this really a player that you can go not only all in on, but it's kind of all in and then some? It's not to discourage any Braves fan that wants to see them pay on payroll, but is Otani the deal to make? I mean, I discussed this on 92.9 The Game this past week in one of my call-ins. You know, if you do have that kind of money and you are going to put that kind of money forward in the years to come, whether that's three, four, five, six, seven years down the line, wouldn't you like to have that available to sign one of the other great superstars in baseball? And that would be right fielder Ronald Acuna Jr. He's not close to free agency, but there is another contract for Ronald that's not too terribly far away. And that, I think, has to at least be part of the thinking if you're going to go out and get into the kind of high-stakes game that could be signing a player to a $400-plus-million-dollar contract, that's just one of the reasons I've just kind of felt like it doesn't make sense right now for the Braves to be in that market and, if you'll pardon the pun, swimming in that particular pool. Of course, the rumors and speculation are just part of the winter meetings, and Alex Anthopoulos, you heard his thoughts about the news cycle that's always swirling this time of year, but he went into a little bit more depth about how he looks at all of the reports and the rumors and the speculation that's coming out this time of year. I'm aware of it, but I don't pay attention to it, if that makes sense. Like, I don't, it's just like, okay, it's news, it's news for a second, but I, I mean, I know what we're working on, I know what we're trying to get done, so if I was worried about chasing down every rumor or trying to correct it or whatever, I'd be time wasted and I don't have time for that kind of stuff. So, you know, that's fine. I, I mean, I don't say it doesn't bother me. It's just, it's just part of the job. Right. So I've said this many times, I am a big sports fan. Obviously I've lost my ability to be a baseball fan the way I was growing up, you know, knowing it's my job, but the Falcons and Hawks, for example, two teams I really follow closely. I love seeing rumors, even if they're wrong. I love seeing rumors because it creates conversation, excitement, all those kind of things. So, you know, part of me is like, well, I, I don't want to, you know, if, if fans are enjoying it and that's fun for them, I get it. You know, I, anything I see, it's just, it's exciting, you know? So I look, that's what everyone wants and it's information and we're trying to connect to the fans. And I've said this, you would love to be able to just pull back the curtain and say, all right, everyone, here's what we got going. We're working on this, working on this. Here's why. But obviously it doesn't work that way. So um, you can do that, you know, yeah, that's true. You know, especially <laughs> small, small, exclusive group here. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, but I'd say this, like in the off season, you will check in on a lot of different trades and players and it's to be expected, you know, because you check in or make a phone call or have a conversation to get a price. Sometimes there's a three-way scenario, just, just like I said, or look, maybe there's a free agent that doesn't necessarily seem like a clean fit, but maybe that, you know, it, it makes sense. And then that opens up a trade. You know, so, um, yeah, I mean, look, you keep track. We all keep track because you just don't know, uh, hey, if you're seeing something, let's say there's a player. I mean, our job is to know who's available in trade. You know, we obviously know who all the free agents are, um, but you don't necessarily, I mean, we pride ourselves. We should have a, you know, if a player is traded and we didn't know about it, we weren't doing our jobs, right? So, look, could it happen? Sure, where you have no idea someone's being talked about and something leaks. And sometimes you'll call a GM and say, look, I'm internet. I'm internet ch chasing here, apologize. And they might say, look, totally false, totally fabricated. And look, that that happened this past offseason. Um, I think just this past week, there was something I saw online. I checked in and I, you know, I was pretty confident that player was not available in, in trade. Um, but I kept seeing it. I'm like, I better just check just to make sure if something changed. And I checked and they said, yeah, of course not. That player, that hasn't changed 
from when you know we had spoken at the beginning of the offseason. So um, now my view of the offseason, it's exciting because it's an opportunity to get better. It's an, you have everybody engaged, right? And look, during the season, it's very challenging to make moves. You have to most likely wait till mid to late July. That's tough, right? So you get to opening day and you're basically stuck with what you have, the minor league level, the big league level for three and a half to four months. You know, now in the offseason, there's a lot of different things. People are engaged. You can call teams and trade in May, and they're just like, look, it's too early. I'm not engaging. I could pick up the phone now, and I know teams will be engaged. So that's my view of the offseason, that it's, you know, we have – everyone's creative. There's opportunities, and, you know, you're trying to see if you can make your team better. Those are some thoughts from Braves General Manager Alex Anthopoulos from the winter meetings. But it was a busy week on the Braves front. We also got to catch up with Braves manager Brian Snitker, and I had a chance to talk to the Braves skipper about what the team has done so far, what maybe is left to do, and how excited he is to get this group back together in spring training in a couple of months. Here at the winter meetings with Braves manager Brian Snitker, and as uh, I think we are just chatting about everybody knows, once you get to the winter meetings, it's kind of, I think, an unofficial halfway point maybe of the winter. How's everything been so far, and how much are you looking forward to seeing how the team takes shape in the additions that can come this winter, of which we'll talk about a few of those? No, it's it's great. You know what? You kind of get back in the baseball mode when you get to the winter meetings, and, and um, you know, these winters, they go by fast. I mean, we'll look up, and, you know, it's like as soon as the Super Bowl's over, we're ready to start playing baseball. So, um, but it's busy. I mean, there's always something going on and, and with the family responsibilities and the industry responsibilities. And, and um, you know what? You wouldn't change a thing. So it, it's a, always exciting. Um, I think all the guys, myself included, are going to be, you know, you always look forward to getting spring training and, and getting getting everything rolling. And, and um, I don't think this year will be any different. Well, before you get there, Alex Antopoulos and his crew were busy shopping throughout the course of the winter. And he's done a lot. The Braves have been one of the most active teams over the course of the winter. And, of course, other teams will do their thing as well. But as you look at the pieces that were coming in, whether it was Ronaldo Lopez, bringing back Pierce Johnson and Joe Jimenez, and of course the trade for Jared Kelnick, which we can get into a little bit more in a minute, but this bullpen especially seems to be what has been a strength for this club, maybe even stronger in 2024. No, it is, and we know how important that is. I think Alex is very aware of that. You know, you, you forget about a guy like Bummer yep. that we brought in from the White Sox, and yeah, like I say, over the years we know how important that bullpen is, having good pieces, um, a lot of bullpen depth where you can kind of get everybody through the long season and, and um, I think it's huge. I think what Alex does, he's always on the lookout to try and make this club better. Does a great job of it and, and getting those young talent like uh, the kid from the Mariners that we got the other day. I was a very talented young man. I'd be anxious to see him. All those guys. I mean, you, you look forward. That kind of makes spring training exciting when, when you bring new players in. You see the growth of your young prospect guys like an A.J. Smith-Sharver and, yeah. and guys like that. Cause they're you know, they're going to continue to improve and get better with experience. i ask you a little bit about Renault. Lopez, a guy you've seen for a number of different teams for a number of different years. He has had some starting experience in the past, but he's also had a lot of success in the bullpen. Are you kind of excited to see where he fits in that? I mean, I know the winter shopping could also be a factor in where he fits. No, it is. And, and you know what? We'll get through spring training. We'll probably stretch him out as a starter, and then we'll see at the end of spring training where he fits. Um, uh, you know, I, I love the fact that we got that guy. I, I remember watching him. He pitched against this. I remember watching him on TV. This guy's got an electric arm, um, versatility, like you said. And um, we'll just see. You you know what? That's why we use spring training. You know that we we get these guys ready, and then at the end of spring training, we kind of put everything together and see where they fit. You talked a little bit this morning already about Jared Kelnick, a guy that you said is a tooled-up kid, a lot of talent, and obviously, is a you know players' change of scenery can also be a big thing because a new organization, a new set of eyes, and maybe new method, new process that could help him unlock something. How excited are you to see how he fits in with the Atlanta Braves? Very much so. You're always excited when you get young, talented players, and and this is a kid. I think he'll he'll thrive in our system and be in around our guys and and the staff and and the and the players that we have i think it's he's got to be excited about coming into our organization what we got going on i think we do a lot of things differently than a lot of people and and um, i think when you like i said you get a young talented guy in and it's always exciting we talked a little bit already about what the braves have done over the course of the winter to this point again been one of the most active teams in major league baseball as you look at the roster i know you're happy with the talent that you've got are there any areas that you're kind of anxious to see what else Alex might add to this mix? No, I, I don't know any areas. I mean, it's always kind of fun to see what Alex has up his sleeve. And, and um, you know, I just, I wake up every morning and look online, see if, we, if we've done anything, you know. So um, I, I, I just said, if we, if we went to spring training tomorrow, I'd be really happy with the group that we have and, and feel like 
we're going to you know, contend for another division title. I want to ask you a little bit about Spencer Strider. He's a guy that, while I know that the National League Division Series did not go the way that you guys wanted it to, if there was any question about what he's capable of and what kind of performances he can put on when the stage is bright, how much did he show you this October by going out, taking the ball, and really being a bulldog? No, he, he's, I think everything that Spencer went through this year, he's going to build on. Um, you know, And he's another one that is, nobody's going to out-prepare him. Nobody's going to outwork him. Um, he's so dedicated to his craft and, and consistent in what he does, and he knows himself. And I think the more he pitches, the better he's going to get. And, and I think the, you know, the, that playoff experience is invaluable. I mean, the only way to get it is to be in it. And, and um, I think you know, he'll just continue to build on everything that he's done up to this point. A couple of questions about managers. One is beginning his career in Stephen Vogt, who played for you not yeah. long ago in 2021, was a member of the World Series team. I think that he said a lot of managers kind of pulled the curtain back for him a little bit, knowing that he might have his own aspirations of doing this one day. How excited are you for him, and how much do you think he's going to bring to what Cleveland is looking for? Oh, no, I'm so excited. I can't stop hugging him when I see him here in, in the hall. I just saw him a little bit ago. He, he's built for this. I mean, I, I looked at him when he played for us as a future manager. He's just one of those guys that gets it. Um, he's a professional. Um, I, I'll be so excited to see him on the other side of the of the field, you know, when we play the Indian or the were they? Guardians. Guardians. Yeah, sorry. Uh, but I'm really happy for Steven. I mean, because he's, like I say, he's one of those guys when you have him that it's like, you know what, this guy's built for that. So yeah. he's, he's going to do a great job. Yeah, it, I think it takes a different breed. And a man who was on the other end of that spectrum wrapped up what is now a Hall of Fame career in Jim Leland. Longtime baseball fans and Braves fans, very familiar with Jim from the battles yeah. with the Pirates, but also he went on to win the World Series with the Marlins and now a Hall of Fame career. How excited were you to see him get that call? Very much so. I mean, um, I've really enjoyed getting to know Jimmy at, you know, when I got this job, even before I got this job. I always loved, used to love when we played the Tigers in spring training to kind of nuzzle up to him and talk to him. And, and he's a baseball guy. You know, I text him as soon as I, I found that and he got right back to me. So um, I'm, I'm so excited that a guy like that is rewarded for um, decades of, of just, you know, being a great baseball man. So um, couldn't have him to a better guy. Let me wrap up with this one. I know it's the winter. A lot of folks are doing what we're doing, kind of gathering here in Nashville, maybe looking forward to spring training. The National League MVP, Ronald Acuna Jr., decided he wants to play some more baseball. He's down starring in Venezuela. Is it, I don't know if encouraging is the word or exciting to see the fact that this kid just seems to really love playing the game of baseball and doing so at a high level and just getting himself prepared for whatever the encore is in 2024. No, I mean, he just he's a ball player, and he loves playing baseball. It, it's like I say, he doesn't get tired. He gets sleepy, you know, so... <laughs> Um, it, it's just it's great for him and I think he'll you know he's going to be smart about it and what he does and how much he plays and the whole thing and you know it's hard to tell a guy can't play baseball when he loves doing it like that and I'm sure everybody in Venezuela loves I'm sure they're packing that place every time he plays a game so um, you know what he, he'll he'll come to spring training in great shape and probably like I said the, the, a lot of the records that he broke he might be the only guy that can break them so um, it'll be fun watching him again this year he is that good I lied I got to ask you one more question because you had several coaches that moved on to yeah. new places and I know you're excited for them and looking forward to filling those vacancies with very capable replacements but just from a 30,000 foot view as you look at what Ron Washington meant to this club him getting that managerial opportunity in addition to EY going with him and then Drew French of course getting an opportunity in Baltimore how excited are you to see those guys grow and move on no it's great I, and I told Alex I said that's the price you pay when you're successful is people want your people so I'm excited for Wash that he can you know he's wanted this I think in his uh, career EY Drew did a great job for us I mean really watched him grow and and, and he's ready for this uh, ready for this challenge so I'm happy really happy for all three of them and and um, you know I'll be excited for the three guys that we give opportunities to to replace them. Well, Braves manager Brian Snitker great to see you at the winter meetings thank you for all your time and look forward to chatting with you again soon. All right thanks Grant. Well, Braves manager Brian Snitker who is enjoying his offseason quite a bit but of course looking forward to getting back down to the business of baseball when that time comes and that'll be in the middle of February down in Northport as the Braves look to reassemble the pieces and attack the National League East, get back into October and handle some unfinished business after a couple of early exits in baseball's postseason. So I hope you've enjoyed those conversations thus far with Braves General Manager Alex Anthopoulos kind of giving you the Q&A, the lay of the land of how the Braves are looking at their winter, the outlook overall, and a little bit of insight from Braves Manager Brian Snitker as well. But I also had a chance to touch base with a number of people from across the baseball world, and wouldn't you know, that world is perhaps a little bit smaller than some of us realize at times. Chip Carey spent two decades with the Atlanta Braves as one of the voices of this club on television and radio as well, and his sons, Stefan and Chris Carey, began their broadcasting career with Amarillo, Texas this past year, 
and they're looking to follow in the footsteps of their great-grandfather Harry Carey, their grandfather Skip Carey, of course their father Chip, but also carve out their own path as they hope to make it to the major leagues and continue what has been a great tradition of broadcasting in that family. I had a chance to sit down with both of them and discuss what it's like to follow in those footsteps and what they're hoping to accomplish on their own here at the Winter Meetings. Here's my conversation with Stefan and Chris Carey. Here at the Winter Meetings in Nashville with what I think is one of the fun things about baseball, and that is it spans the generations. You all know the Carey family so well from Braves broadcasting over the years and beyond that. You know Harry Carey. Thus, you know Skip Carey, you know Chip Carey. Well, I'd like to introduce you to Stefan and Chris Carey, who are here at the Winter Meetings and who are carrying on a family legacy that I think is the ways that baseball connects us as people, as generations, as broadcasters. Very cool to finally be able to, as we've talked about a lot here at the Winter Meetings, put names with faces, and as the case may be, the face is very familiar. The name is certainly familiar. How are you guys? We're doing great, Grant. It's been so cool meeting you and talking to you. Besides seeing your great coverage of the Braves on Twitter and seeing how well they've done the past few years, it's it's really cool to finally put that face to the name that we've known. Well, hopefully the faces didn't bother you too much. I know we wear a lot of hair gel like our dad, uh, but like I echo Stefan's sentiments, you guys do a great job, and we miss Braves country every single day, and you do a tremendous job with Atlanta, and we're so thankful for how kind you were to our father during his time with the Braves. Well, I appreciate that. I have not used hair gel since, I believe, 2008, <laughs> so you guys use it as long as you can, and if you follow your dad's footsteps there, you're going to be just fine with that. But I do want to kind of flash back, and I've told this story before on social media. I haven't necessarily told it here on the show, but your dad was pretty instrumental in my broadcast career, my opportunity to go out and become a minor league play-by-play broadcaster and then kind of parlay that into all the things I've done over the past over a decade and a half now. I sat down in a big league ballpark at Turner Field in the visiting radio auxiliary booth with some road equipment just to try to figure out if I could call a baseball game. And your dad, who was hosting pre and post games at that time, was nice enough to volunteer to kind of be a guinea pig and to show me the ropes and take me along the way. And I could not get through the starting lineups, but your dad kind of pushed his chair back, put his hand on my shoulder and said, look, you know the game, you know these guys, get through the lineups and everything's going to be just fine. You're your own person, find your own voice, you're going to figure it out. And I was able to figure it out. So that's something that stuck with me for a very long time. So it's very cool and very gratifying to see that another generation is getting the opportunity to follow in not only the family legacy, but doing one of the coolest things, the best job in the world, I think, calling a baseball game. It really is a blessing, and it's a blessing that our family's been able to do it with such classy organizations for as long as they have. The better part of 100 years uh, in, in total when you total up Harry, Skip, and my dad, 46 with the Braves. So we've been fortunate, and I think hearing that story, it, it makes me a little bit emotional because I remember you telling that story on Twitter and reading that story and bringing up those memories for my dad in what was really an interesting time in his career over the last year. But we're so lucky, and being somewhat removed from my dad in a professional capacity for the first 17, 18 years of our lives before we really got interested in this job, it's cool to hear those secondhand stories and what he's meant to people because to us, he's dad and he's meant so much to us as a as a uh, familiar role. But for so many others, he's meant a lot as a broadcaster and as a work colleague. So thank you so much for telling that to us. It's one of the great and fun stories I'm able to tell. And I've told it a lot of times personally, but I felt like it was important when you know the changes come throughout the course of our industry and throughout the course of our lives. But the Carey family embraced baseball pretty synonymous for the better part of what, five or six decades. And your granddad may be the greatest influence, I think, on how I view the game and how much fun the game can be and just how many barbs you can work into a nine-inning contest. He was pretty good at that. He was incredibly good, and they all had their own different styles. You know, Harry was a showman. Skip was a little bit more cynical when he presented the game, but he earned the respect and love of many people in Atlanta with the Braves and became the voice of the Braves for a while, along with Ernie Johnson Sr. and Pete Van Weeren. And then my dad tried to pick that up as best as he could with Atlanta in the 18-some-odd seasons that he was with the Braves. And we appreciate all the Braves fans respecting and loving the legacy and the history of the Carey family, but make no mistake, the Carey family would not be where they are without Atlanta, without the Braves, and without Major League Baseball. And for us as fourth-generation broadcasters here at the winter meetings to meet so many familiar faces that haven't seen us since we were teenagers or even younger than that to still be receptive to us and welcoming uh, means so much and then some just to be able to experience that again well let me ask you guys this and let's kind of get into the present day but it might go back a little ways but in your lifetime when did you guys huddle up get together and decide hey we'd like to get into the family business not only that 
we'd like to have the opportunity to do it together. Well, for me, it was a very different path than for Chris. I think Chris being Harry Carey the fourth, it was somewhat written in the stars for him to go down this this alleyway of, of broadcasting. But for me, I was I was an athlete. I played Division Two lacrosse, not very well, uh, but I played Division Two lacrosse and. I thought that I wanted to be an athlete. I wanted to go do a non-traditional career, something different than what my dad wanted to do. But then I decided that 5 a.m. runs in the freezing cold in North Carolina just wasn't for me. So I pivoted to the one career that had been a consistent in my life from my dad and my grandfather and my great-grandfather. So I think it came about really at the end of high school and toward college when I was interested. And Chris, not to speak for you, but I think the, the bug was a lot sooner in your eyes than it was for mine. Yeah, it was a lot sooner than than yours, but I, I still think at the end of my high school career and into early college is when I got into it. A lot of people know from the very beginning this is what they want to do, especially in broadcasting. We were around in Atlanta and, and when my dad was with Chicago, but we never lived in the city that he worked. I think that's a common misconception. So we got an outsider's perspective with some very exciting times to go to the booth or in the clubhouse and experience that. But we were not raised in the clubhouse like some people thought. And it was always just dad going to work and doing the job. And of course, it's attractive. Of course, it's intriguing. It is Major League Baseball. It's the pinnacle of sports. America's pastime doing television and people really gravitate towards you or they don't like you as much. I mean, it is a very polarizing job. And it was something that when I went to Valdosta State my first year and then on to Georgia, it was something that we wanted to pursue. And it just so happened that we ended up doing it together for our Cape League summer in 2021. And then the next year, we ended up being AA leads because one person saw the novelty of it and maybe a little bit with the name as well and put us together. And we haven't looked back since. So Harry Carey, the fourth I was unaware that that was kind of part of the legacy. I think that's just something that you can learn a new thing when you when you dive into baseball and you get to know people, get to talk to them. So with a name like that, I would imagine that you may have thought about it a few times. But uh, you know, not to double down on this question, but uh, when you did approach your father and say, or was there a time where you had a discussion and you said, "Hey, uh, we really like what you do, and uh, maybe we want to do this too." Where do we start? How would you recommend that we start? What was your dad's, I guess, advice to kind of put you on the track and at least get you going? I think it was a forward phrase. My dad has always been very, very supportive, but in a different type of way than even his own father was. Just get on air. And for us, it it was about getting reps at the University of Georgia. And without a whole lot of opportunity at Georgia with the SEC Network, it was going to NAIA. For Chris, you you bring up the Harry Carey, the fourth point. I was saying that more so facetiously rather than being serious because he goes by Chris. He's trying to... In a lot of ways, like my dad and like Skip, not be remembered for that last name and not be remembered just for that lineage. And the dynamic that we've built as identical twins is something that we're really proud of beyond just the last name, the nepotism, of course, that everybody's going to bring up. But when my dad figured it out that, that we wanted to do this, I think there was a tremendous sense of pride. There was never a boot camp. There was never, hey, here's how we should do the job. Because as my dad has said, the world doesn't need another chip carry. They need more originality. They need people that aren't trying to be the next Vin Scully, aren't trying to be the next Harry Carey, aren't trying to be the next Jack Buck or Skip or Brandon Godden. They need people that are going to be themselves. You don't need to echo the efforts of somebody else and be original. That's what he wanted us to be. And I, and I agree with, with you wholeheartedly, but when, going back to your question about uh, my dad introducing us and, and asking us, you know, the, or telling us the roadmap of how to get into the game. Harry tricked Skip into doing broadcasting. My grandfather didn't trick my father into it. In fact, they didn't have as much of a relationship until my dad was a young adult. He was in St. Louis and Skip was in Atlanta until my dad went to college at Georgia. And he found out later, almost the same age as I did, that he wanted to do it. And then Skip was fully on board. My dad never pushed us into it. He said, you have to know what you are, but more importantly, know what you're not. And I have to be out of the way because I want you to be the best version of Chris and Stephen Carey that you can be and not a carbon copy of chip carry. And for us, that has been some of the best um, and most valuable information. That's part of the reason why he's not here at the winter meetings with us right now is because we don't want any of the, any of the handholding. We want to make the connections ourselves or at least rekindle those connections with people that he's made for us. And now they can see us as young adults exploring the major league and minor league landscape as broadcasters. And we're just very grateful to have him as a mentor, but more importantly, have, a, have him as a dad. 
Yeah, it's like we talked about earlier, like my story. It was not be the next so-and-so. It's be the first whoever you are. For me, that's the first and only Grant McCauley that I can be, and that's what I've tried to be. And I think it kind of boils down to this. Originality is important. Authenticity also connects you with that audience and, and with the listeners that you're going to have. And, of course, you know that with some broadcasting under your belts now in the game of baseball. Amarillo, Texas, how did you land there? How much fun did you have this year? And how much did you learn collectively and individually about finding your voice, which was another lesson your dad told me way back when. There are a lot of things that we can thank the Atlanta Braves for, but it was an auspicious night in Game 5 of the World Series. We're sitting in the chop house, and if I remember correctly, because there were a lot of margaritas involved, Adam Duvall homered to right field with a grand slam to take a 4 to nothing lead against the Astros. We thought at that point the Braves were going to win the World Series in Atlanta, and we were going to get to witness something that hadn't been seen since 1995. Of course, they ended up winning in Game 6. But we met our future employer that night. He was a big Braves fan, of course, in the Diamondbacks organization. He had to be a little bit more coy about that. But he had noticed my mom from an usher saying that's Chip Carey's wife. And he came down and introduced himself. And, of course, my mom had begun to sell us immediately. Hey, we have twin sons that love broadcasting. And Tony Enzer, who is our general manager in Amarillo, wasn't thinking about hiring us until 2024, 2025. But a couple months passed by. Sam Levitt, who was our predecessor, ended up leaving for the San Diego Padres radio pre and post job. And he uh, liked our stuff and reached out. And that has been where we've been ever since. We ended up getting the chance to call a championship winning team in the Diamondbacks organization this year in the Texas League. That was a blast. We've crossed off so many checks on our bucket list from a professional standpoint in the minor leagues that so many others haven't had the opportunity to do. And getting it Getting to do it together has been the best part of it. I think we've learned a lot about how to broadcast the games, and we've learned a lot about how to improve our strengths as well as our weaknesses by learning from one another. And Amarillo, the brand itself, has afforded us so many opportunities. I mean, they won Minor League Organization of the Year, uh, the best alternate identity. They've been all over the place. I mean, when you have a team, a team name like the Amarillo Sob Poodles, it's hard to go wrong with that, and the brand recognition is almost immediate. And that partnership with them and us broadcasting the games, we were very raw in the beginning and we've seemed to find our footing. We ended up going to the Arizona Fall League after this season, after a championship winning season in Amarillo and covering some of the game's best and brightest young stars. And that was one thing that I was really excited to check off the bucket list. Now, working together is the biggest dream that I could ever have. I mean, we all know there's only one play-by-play guy in the booth in Major League Baseball. There's one dream that you have that's a little bit bigger than even us two. There is one one dream. Of course, everybody wants to get to the Major Leagues. Well, even beyond that. Well, to, to, to share a booth my dad of course but when it comes to working together with my brother I think that that's the biggest blessing that we've had now we're both play-by-play guys so we switch off and obviously the fun has to end at some point but we're just taking it one day at a time and enjoying every second of it and when I look to my right I know I have the best partner I'll ever have in Amarillo or maybe even somewhere beyond we'll have to see I mean a truly unique partnership both in the booth and beyond and obviously your entire lives you've had this partnership that um, is rare. I mean, there are not a lot of identical twins. There's certainly not a lot that say, hey, how would you like to do the same thing with me, alongside me, and travel this path that is very hard, as you know, to get to that ultimate goal? So it is great to have goals. It is great to have those dreams. And you know, getting to call a baseball game, as I mentioned, I still feel like is one of the best jobs, if not the best job in the entire world. So with that in mind, you are here at the winter meetings. You're, of course, looking for opportunities, uh, making these connections, and uh, trying to, I guess, chart the path of what's next. So have you kind of formulated any ideas from this, or are you just kind of taking it all in, seeing the baseball? world all in one place i think it's more of the latter grant reason being i think for us much like skip and much like my dad after skip we want to to some degree get out of that shadow we don't want to be known as chip's sons we don't want to be known as harry carey's great grandsons and being able to formulate these connections here at the fall not falling excuse me here at the winter meetings has allowed us the opportunity to get in front of people that normally we wouldn't be able to and introduce ourselves as stefan and chris carey broadcasters for the amarillo sobbittles not harry carey's great grandkids which of course is what everybody's going to jump to immediately but no we don't know what the future holds we're open to any and all opportunities i think the ultimate goal as for any young broadcaster is to get to the major leagues to kind of continue carrying that torch in a familial sense, but also in our own way. And we talked about originality. We talked about authenticity. It's hard to be original when you're identical twins. It's hard to not be a carbon copy of one another. But the reality is, is being here, we get to display our own quirks, our own unique attributes in front of some of the game's best and most exciting people. So 
I am fortunate every single day that we decided to come here last week on a whim and uh, we, we got to meet you and, and talk to so many familiar faces and talk to so many new faces that could potentially be people that help us or we could help them down the line. I agree with Stefan. I mean, uh, it's no secret when you're at the winter meetings, you you try your best to make an impression. Now we are very happy and comfortable with where we are in Amarillo. We love it. And obviously we're 24 years old, so we're not here to make any demands whatsoever on where we will be. However, you know, if you have a major league opportunity at any point in time, you go for it, you take it. And we understand we're young, we're still raw, we're we're trying to figure out those things, but that is our eventual goal, either individually or collectively. Hopefully both of us end up there, and it would be great to be together, but it would also be great to be separate because we are individual entities, and I have all the confidence in the world that my brother right here is going to be able to sell himself to somebody wonderful in the next few years and be the best broadcaster, one of the best broadcasters in baseball, and um, I'm just so excited to be here and meet cool people like you and be able to articulate how I feel about teams like the Braves and how well they treated my father obviously we've spent a lot of time at the Cardinals camp while here and they've treated him so well and to be able to say that face to face with somebody is a little different than a Twitter message or a text and you know like I said I I echo those sentiments again to you about what you did for my father and what you said about him because it doesn't go unnoticed well the Kerry name has echoed through Braves country for a very long time it has been through Chicago through St. Louis so many other stops and whatever's ahead of you guys I wish you nothing but the best Chris Stefan appreciate so much of this time that you've given me and look forward to catching up with you down the road and wherever that road takes all of us I can't wait thanks so much and let's hope that the next time we see each other is either at the next winter meetings or maybe in a press box somewhere I absolutely agree, and I would say with the way the Braves are playing right now, there's a lot to be excited about, so maybe we see some more World Series championships in the next couple of years for Atlanta, and I couldn't be happier for the city. All right, we can all hope for that, look forward to that, and cheer for that. Thanks, guys. Go dogs. There you hear it. Those roots have been set in Georgia in a number of different ways. Again, my thanks to Stefan and to Chris Carey for making some time for me at the winter meetings, and I look forward to seeing where their career takes them as they look to carve their own path, but following the legendary footsteps of the Cary Broadcasting family. And that's going to bring us to the end of this Winter Meetings edition of From the Diamond. As always, I appreciate all of your support, and I look forward to keeping you up to date on everything happening on the hot stove. Be sure to check out my articles for the Marietta Daily Journal from the Winter Meetings. You can also get on over to fromthediamond.com and you'll get links to all of the articles that I've written while I'm up here. And you can go ahead and subscribe to From the Diamond wherever you get your podcast and connect on social media at Grant McCauley. It's where you can find me on most platforms. That'll wrap things up from Nashville. Our next stop, I guess, is Braves Fan Fest, which will be coming up in late January. But don't worry, we got a lot of From the Diamond to get to between now and then. And I look forward to talking to you again soon as the Braves continue to count down to spring training. Until next time, I'm Grant McCauley. So long, everyone.